As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, this is Craig Custis with The Athletic, joined by Sean Gentili on the Tuesday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show, The Americans edition. Um, Sean, we have, oh, let, me, let me just tease what we have a little bit and then we can, we, can, we can talk, Sean, which I'm looking forward to very much. Uh, we have John Vogel joining the show later. Uh, the, he covers the Buffalo Sabres for us and there's, he's been on the heavy news beat around that team for months now and it's just relentless uh there's a coach to be hired still there's probably a front office to fill out and oh yeah they have to trade their best player um they don't have to but they should at this point uh and we'll get into the jack eichel discussion there we have uh, we're, we're gonna lean into the offseason a little bit there was something that matthew kachuk was trending on twitter last night and we you know we can't resist that discussion at all we're gonna get into that um uh, but sean First, let's talk about the Lightning um, just pouring it on the Islanders last night. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if this just reestablishes their dominance or is this just how this playoffs go and that game's going to be completely forgotten by the time they get back on the ice? Well, first, be honest. When did you actually turn the game off? Um, for nothing mm-hmm. and then circled back just to make sure nothing crazy happened. It, and- it- it was major pull the plug and then check <laughs> monitor on my phone and make sure that nothing nothing crazy like nothing crazy was going on. So I that shows you what a dud that game was. We're talking about a, a conference a conference final or a, or a or a semis or whatever we want to call it that I was just completely checked out of halfway through and I think that speaks to probably how good Andre Vasilevsky is cuz they get yeah. a team gets down by three or four goals and you're like all right you can you can put this one on ice. It's it, it's done. But um, what the 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 logical move is that we're going to see another two one Islanders win. And in, in, for sure, in, I thought that in the next, I'm like one nothing Islanders. But that's also conventional wisdom at this point. Like I, I know part of it's like we've seen it happen enough where we should be we should be prepared for it. But we also haven't seen many eight nothing games. Like, is this, is this finally the end of the road for, for the Islanders? Will I finally be proven correct in my desire to pick <laughs> against them in every series 
they've played for the last four years or or, or whatever. Here's what I here's the thing that I've noticed about the Lightning in over the last couple of years is that they you know they've gotten to the point these great teams get where they're pretty inflappable. Like they can lose games, they can get down in the series. It doesn't matter. There's no choking. They've already choked or whatever with that Columbus series. So the worst, the worst that happened. could ever the worst happen happened to, them to them already happened. And in some sense, that's freeing, right? At that point, you can just you can just lean into whatever you are. And I think the Lightning. I think that is a position of strength. That's a great place to be. And I and I, you know we've seen it. Uh, you know, I've seen some recent years teams go through that, that. All those great teams get to that point where you can just tell. Like, they they lose a game and they're like, yeah, that's playoff hockey. You're going to lose games and you're going to get down in a series. And you just keep on trucking and, and the Lightning are definitely at that point. And, and at some point, you know, these other teams, Colorado will get there. They're clear, you know, these other good young teams are just not in that part of the cycle. But, man, these Lightnings are Lightning team definitely is. Yeah, it's easy to have faith. In your ability to bounce back whenever Steven Samkos is your fourth best forward or, or wherever, wherever he is at this point. And that's, and that's no knock on Samkos. He was, he scored twice last night. I mean, I, it just speaks to the depth that's on that team. And when you're working with such an insanely talented group that, oh, by the way, just won a Stanley Cup and hasn't lost a series since that catastrophe against the Blue Jackets and blah, blah. Um, you should be you should be cocky. You should have a, yeah. t- a ton of faith in your ability to bounce back from from adversity or or whatever you want to call it. Of co- of course, this is how they play. They have they have no reason not to. I want to go big picture with the Lightning because you mentioned Stamkos coming in, scores uh, a couple goals, and really, like it, it almost seems like whatever he does is bonus at this point. And I hate it. Like he's you know 100%. he's a Hall of Fame player. And it's just, it's like, oh, yeah, Stamkos is contributing to the, you know, that's, that's, that's nice. Good for him. Um, and so, I, I, I looked it up because they had mentioned on the broadcast that the, after the first one was his 30th career playoff goal. And I'm like, okay, where does that slot him uh, all time? And, you know, I'm just, I'm always uh, curious about this stuff. And at that point, that had pulled him even with teammate Tyler Johnson for career playoff goals. Um, which I would I would have lost that bet, and I know Tyler Johnson has had some really good playoff runs and and has been you know, but whatever. And then he scores again, and now it's like okay, you know, if he keeps going, he might catch you know Kalorn, and it's like that's that's wild to me. So that poses a question when I when you think about the Lightning, who and this and their run is now going, they're going on several years, going back to the trip to the Stanley Cup Finals against the, the Blackhawks. Yeah, like, who is the most indispensable six years, out of them? Six years ago, by the way. Yeah, that's, I know. I know. So, we're on a six or seven year mm-hmm. stretch here. In your mind, it, it, it's not Stamkos, which is wild to say because he's such a great player, Olympian, etc. Is he Olympian? Was he Olympian? Uh, great player. Hall of Famer. Um, who who do you think is the most indispensable out of this? Braden Point. Yeah. Braden Point. It's easy. Not Vasilevsky? Not Hedman? Again, like I, I always just sort of put goalies off in their own in their own separate little in their own separate little table because they're the most it's the most important position on the ice. Like so you, we can yeah, almost, that's always the default. Yeah, yeah right. Because because uh, every cup team, the goalie is the most important player on. Yeah, almost 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 definitionally. So yes, this is a lot of this is because of Vasilevsky, absolutely. But it's Braden Point. He's 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 hitting historic levels like he's by the end of all this he's going to be third all time in goals uh among players 25 or younger which is which is crazy i mean he's Mm. he scores he scores every night it's braden point (laughs) it's braden point um so moving up the charts as we climb so alex kalorn has now has 34 career playoff i knew i i I knew knew that you were going to stump hard for kalorn i get and i get it no 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 no. this is i'm just i'm just pointing out facts Mm -hmm. i i braden braden points probably the right answer because once he became braden point um they like that's when they became the powerhouse right Uh, you know the headman and vasilevsky were around and and, you know, early on, Ben Bishop was getting starts. And so, you could say – the one thing I would say about Vasilevsky, you know, and they kept trotting that record out yesterday, is that his record after losses. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And I wish I had the stat right now. But you want him in goal after coming off a loss. He just seems to clamp down. Um, but I, I'm with you. Like, he's – 
he is, um, you know, maybe we, if we remove him from the equation. Um, so, yeah, so we're moving up. Alex Kalorn, 34. Then we go up. Braden Point is at, uh, this is 128 all-time in the NHL. And Braden Point's not a particularly old fella. And he's, he's you know, he's, he's he he's actually. 20, he's, he's, he's 25 years old. He's 25 years old. He is now at 36 career playoff goals, or 35, excuse me, in 60 games. So, you were wrong. He doesn't score every game. But every other? He Better scored, than that. He scores, he's, he scores uh, right, he scores every uh, every 1.7 games he scores or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. So, he's got, um, you know. I, no, yeah. he's, he's it's, it's historic you know, elite tier stuff from him. Like I said, he's whatever, he's third or fourth all time in goals and got in guys under 25. That's, I know that's a, it's a weird cherry picking stat because he is 25 yeah, years old. Yeah, I feel like it's like, but you could, uh, you know, under. But in terms of, guy, I mean, the up the upshot there is that he is starting his career at an ultra, his, his playoff career at an ultra, ultra elite level. And whether he keeps it up, you know, remains to be seen. But he's he's played a lot of playoff games for a young guy, and he scored a ton of goals at you know at truly at a at a at a at a Rushmore kind of at a Rushmore kind of pace. It's a it's a it's amazing. Um, you know, and now he is at, at thirty five career playoff goals. He's pulled even with you know Pavel Bure, Alex Delvecchio, some Pierre Turgeon, some crazy you know some all timers, Brad Park, and like this like, but. Actually, he is now one behind Nicholas Backstrom. So, I mean, think about how many playoff games Nicholas Backstrom has played. And for, he's a thousand years old now. He's played 133 games, and uh, the point is old man. Know. Old man Nick Backstrom is is a, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough Sorry. one. From, that's a tough one for me to stomach. I've come to grips with being old. I, I think you're oh, still yeah. not there. I'm close. Are you? I'm cl- I'm close enough. Almost. almost. Yeah. What was the breaking point for you? Um. I think whenever Crosby started to started to get gray hair and kind of be treated as like an, an elder statesman over over the last couple of years, that's when I was like, okay, I'm I'm officially I'm officially past it because he's like he's a little bit younger than me. I was I was I was in college and he got drafted and blah blah. Like that's like that that group of players when they when they really start aging out the yeah the yeah, the O five the O five draft is is when I'm going to be like, all right, you can just put me put me in the ground now. Um, so yeah, he's done all this in 60 games. The one guy he trails is Andre Palat has 36. I wouldn't have guessed that. Nope. That's, that's, that's interesting that he is, that he's tops there. And I, I, I know he had. Oh, I, his, I lied. God, I lied. I didn't go God. to the right page. There's still somebody above him. This is wild. So we've just rattled off guys, like five guys no. above Stamkos at this point. Kucherov, I forgot about. Oh, by the way. When we're talking about most important players in their runs, we didn't even mention, you know, the Hart Trophy, Nikita yeah. Kucherov. 41 goals um, to lead the Lightning career. Hey, how That's many cool. other how many other players in NHL history have a playoff goal streak of, of eight games or more? Besides Braden Point. How many? Probably not many. Do you know, I number. feel like you know this answer. I know, well, I I know the I answer. I the two. One. Mm. It's Reggie Leach for the Flyers in '76. <sighs> yeah, I, like <laughs> it's un, it's really unbelievable what he's doing, and um, I think your your answer is the right answer. So, and I don't want to spend the whole the first segment on Braden yeah. Point, but I, I, yeah. I we can. I, it it created a debate. Uh, Thomas Drance, uh, colleague at the Athletic out of Vancouver, I, I love Drancer. He's uh, he loves to mix it up on Twitter. And he's like, well, maybe this will finally put an end to small, you know, you need to be uh, a big and heavy in the playoffs. And, you know, in, he said maybe Braden Point's success will end it. Of course it won't because yeah. history, there's a long history of smallish players having success in the playoffs. Like he's not the first, you know, where the Blackhawks dominance was carried by Patrick Kane in for long stretches. And he's not a, a large player. Those narratives, those narratives on each side last for one game. Like if if, right. if the Lightning close out this series and Blake Coleman has a goal or whatever, like one of the one one of the more physical one of the more physical yeah. gritty gritty dudes that they went out and traded traded for last year, then it you know then 
it resets and we start doing it again. If it's if it's if it ends up being if it's Vegas Tampa in a final and and that's like which I at this point that's what we need it to be, right? Yeah, I mean, I it's I, selfishly it's what I it's what I want for sure. I mean, like I I think stylistically that's that makes sense. I think from a narrative standpoint, which is something we all pay attention to, whether we yeah. want to admit it or not. I I think it's I I think it makes sense, yeah. But uh, but if that happens, everybody is going to dig in. Everybody on either side of the skill versus will debate is is going to dig in, and it's going to be it's it's going to be fun. But yeah, I mean, I and I and I agree. I agree with Trans. Like I I'll take I'll take faster skilled guys over guys who are just being big for big sake. But the debate's never going to end. It's actually going to restart tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Like, it, it's to me, this is the same as the analytics debate in that it's the answer is it's, it's like it's, it's both. You you know what I mean? Like, you don't want skilled small players who aren't going to battle and go into the tough area. You know what I mean? Braden Point's great because he's he's a feisty competitor that does whatever it takes to win and goes wherever he has to. Like, he's a complete he's a complete hockey player. It's a debate that I that I've always that always kind of exists on a low level here in Pittsburgh because of how small and skilled and set in their ways that team is from or has been from from a, from a roster construction standpoint because you got Jake Ensel and you got Brian Russ and you got Sidney Crosby yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And that's how they won two cups. You know, I, I what I always say is like just pick one thing and be good at it. Like don't, yeah, yeah. don't, don't try to find like a, a round peg like Ryan Reeves and try to throw him in a lineup just, just because you want to say that you have a big guy like that can, that can throw off, that can throw off a lot of, a lot of different stuff. Being big for the sake of being big doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Like you're not trying to, you're not trying to tick boxes there and say like, well, okay, we like this team. Do we like them? We'd like them a lot more if they're a one, six, three guy on the, on the, on the third line. I think if you have an identity when it comes to, when it comes to team building, you know that's what's important. Not just right. saying we need we need something because we feel like we need it. I think just there's still like this list is a good example. There are still guys that have success in the playoffs for you know it's a different game and there's we've watched how these games are called and we've talked to Ed Nauseam about them. It's a different game and there's you know there's a reason Palat is good in the playoffs and Kalorn and and they're you know not lighting the world on fire during the regular season. And you know you could argue to to counter what you said though, Sean. Like Pat Maroon almost feels like the let's plug in a big guy, and and you know who maybe isn't part of our identity, and that's worked out really well for Tampa. Right. Well, and but it does. But what, know, but what worked out more was Braden was Braden, Braden Point, Point turning, into the, turning into the best playoff goal scorer <laughs> of his generation and having a having a Vesna winner or Pat Maroon. It, it could be what it could be like, Pat Maroon. Agree to disagree. Um. <laughs> All right, before we get to John Vogel, who's on, I don't want to make John wait. Your, and your, wait to your best him. friend, Pat Maroon. My best friend, Pat Maroon. Um, um, I wanted to talk quickly because I thought of you when Robin Leonard uh, copped to basically doom scrolling. Yeah. Um, you know, he gets the nod. Pete DeBoer, who I, I've always liked Pete DeBoer because he's he is not afraid to make the tough call. He's got, he's got guts as a coach and he goes with Robin Leonard, which I – of course, thought was the right call. I didn't say anything on Twitter or express that to anybody <laughs> beforehand. But no, you I texted. Knew. You texted me. I have. I have the evidence. I, I said, I "Great, what be, a smart decision." Now, well, I won't be sharing it with anybody out of respect. Out of respect for you. Thank you. That's yes. a private conversation. But I, I'll share. I said uh, that Robin Leonard will probably win this in overtime for for Vegas. Great gutsy move by Pete DeBoer. Um, I just like the idea that like Robin Leonard's so online and so it, present he, he, and he was responding like he had a, he was, who did he respond to? Oh, Keith Oberman tweeted like terrible decision. And here's Robin Leonard <laughs> after the game with a panda swimming in a pond like gif. And I'm like, oh, could you love Robin Leonard anymore? He was one step away from just picking random Twitter folks with like... <laughs> Like and, and, and then there then there was some guy in his wearing sunglasses in his avatar and he said that the bar did it again. Like he was the axe grinding on display there was just wild. It was it was very it was very relatable, A. And yes. uh, as as someone who's who's terminally online. And also like maybe a little <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly what you want from your goaltender what, after after a win or a loss. But I don't know, man. It was it was it was it was funny. It was funny to hear. I loved it. I, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it only works because he won. Like, had he lost, and he, he, we would be like, "You should what's not have your phone out." What's, or whatever. What's, <laughs> so, uh, throw throw your phone in a river, Robin yeah. Leonard. Like, you're this is this is melting your brain. Be a pro. That's right. Like, it, like that's the beauty of hockey is that we just let, like whatever happens, then we just latch on to whatever you know. That we're like, that's great. You can get motivation from Twitter. What I want to know, you had kind of a benign tweet about Robin, Robin Leonard starting. If, if I remember correctly, it was just like, uh, it's, I forgot what it was. It wasn't critical, but it was like, hey, this is happening. Um, and I was curious if Robin Leonard took any offense to yours. Do you think your tweet served him Specifically, any yeah. I, I, think, I think I am among Robin Leonard's greatest haters, <laughs> clearly. And he, and he did this, and he did this for me. No, I that was more I was more talking about the about the flurry end of things, honestly. That's oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. more what I was that's more what I was what I was referencing just because you know, we've seen this we've seen this from <laughs> it all, you know, I I as someone who is here for all of it and you know the 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 flurry meltdowns of 2012 and 2013 and 2014. I mean, that guy's career just fascinates me to no oh, end. It's, it's, it really so is to see so, so to see it kind of get this other this other this new chapter and who knows, who knows what happens, you know, with, with the Leonard, with the Leonard math debate. I, I'm just, I'm just continu- continually fascinated by the twists that guy's career have, have taken. So, I mean, you've covered Marc-Andre Fleury a long time. How, first of all, I just want to say the whole point of ha- them having two good goalies, like this was part of their strength going into right. the playoffs. It's like they have two good goalies. They're going to use them. You're not going to, you can rest a guy. Like, it does it's not a strength if you don't use it so no. like this is this is all, this is all part of the plan for vegas i, I don't in retrospect you know flurry has the gaff it made perfect sense and maybe you don't like it because it i don't know highlights or maybe you feel like you're blaming mark andre flurry or something but like that's the whole that that's why you have these two goalies so you can can't, play them both that can't be the that can't be the concern or the the overall yeah. goal at this point like you're trying to win games you're not trying to you know keep Marc-Andre Fleury content and happy and, and, and whatever. But what I will say about him is, you know, it's kind of classic Fleury stuff where in their losses, he's been terrible. You know, he had, he mm-hmm. had, the, he had the gaff before he's lost six games as a starter. One of them, he was great in the others have been, you know, seven sixty nine save percentage, eight seventy five save percentage, eight, eight. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know that maybe there's going to be a couple times per series where he has a dud. And I think it makes sense for DeBoer, if nothing else, to try to head that off at the pass. Because again, you know, they're playing a lot of games. These guys, these guys aren't used to playing every other day for, for, uh, for one consecutive month. So I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely. If you don't, if you don't use Robin Leonard, in a game like that one, what's the point in even having it? <laughs> yeah, you don't even – and you're not using a strength. It'd be like mm-hmm. having, you know, a really good second-line center and be like, yeah, we're just going to sit – we're going to scratch him. Don't bother. Know, and never, yeah, don't bother. We don't We don't need him. Um, all right. Well, we got, we've got we got a lot to talk to John mm-hmm. Vogel about. With Sab- mm-hmm. we, I feel like we could talk Sabres every single episode in this. In this. We, we, we have. Almost. We've come close. We've come close. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're now bringing John Vogel. And so I meant before we went to break, I meant to ask Sean, and now I can ask John too because John covered Robin Leonard in, in Buffalo. Um, 
who we're going to probably know by the time this drops, this episode drops. So we're not like breaking news or even debating it really. But I want everyone on the record since I was the only one who came out in defense of Robin Leonard before the last game privately. Who's, who who starts next game and, and why? Pri- we'll pri- start with privately, privately and secretly. Privately, of course. <laughs> we'll, we'll start with John. John, who, who are you going with in the next game? I think Robin earned one more. I mean, uh, yeah, you talked about, uh, you talked a little about the gaff from the previous game and Robin just came out and played a solid, impressive game. I think he gets one more shot and then win or lose. I think maybe Mark Andre comes in in the next one. That's just my personal All thought. Right. John, can you, can you do that? Can you, can you play Leonard? And if he wins, you still go back to flurry. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like playing Leonard for a second game is the sort of tacit acknowledgement that like he's, the default going forward, which I, I don't necessarily have a problem with, but oh. when I go well, back to 06, the Sabres were playing in the conference, Eastern Conference Finals in Carolina. They were going back and forth between uh, Ward and I think it was Gerber. Was that the mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. But they had two goalies going back and forth and whether they won or lost, they went back to Ward. So mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of how this will work out where it is. It's Flurry's team at the moment. So give Leonard one more because he earned it and then go back to Flurry. I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah, it's simple. I don't, like, why, Love I don't, it. We're, all, we're all on board with that plan. Mark Andre Fleury was my pre-playoff Con Smythe pick. So <laughs> I think like, that's, the main, that's actually I think that's on the, the record. Main, that's the main reason I want him to draw in so because I, I also I, I'm also on record as saying he's he's he, he's going to win it. He's going to win a Con right, Smythe. So I, I, he does need to play in order to win the Con Personal Smythe, so. personal bias wins out on on this on this choice. as always as always. All right, so John. I like. I think we were talking about you on the pod last week. Like, I feel so bad for how much work you've had to do nonstop. Um, this is, you know, it's June twenty second as we record this. A lot of beat writers are disappearing just for a breather, and and you've been not only just covering a team, but like a news watch. That that it's it's fun because we all like the news and we like to chase it, but um, it's exhausting. I've been there as a, as a writer. Like, what has this year been like for you? Yeah, there's been some times where it was, oh man, it's just never going to stop. This is uh, it's my 19th season and I've only covered four playoff teams. So we know I've seen a lot of bad things happen in Buffalo in the last two decades, but this year topped it all. I mean, everything just uh, just from playing bad hockey after finally having some expectations, bringing in Taylor Hall, bringing in Eric Stahl, yeah. you think, all right, they might be decent. They probably won't make the playoffs, but they can contend. And then they're worse than the tank teams. They were just absolutely terrible. Then the NHL throws them into the COVID soup. Uh, they knew they, yeah, that was a disaster. Forgot about that. Yeah, they had. Uh, they knew New Jersey had a few players. Ah, eh, go play anyway. The Sabers got it shut down for two weeks. Then they come back. Ralph Kruger couldn't coach at all, but, but it still took forever to fire him. Uh, the fans were in revolt. Jack gets hurt. Uh, now the season's over. Jack's ready to get out. Sam Reinhardt's probably going too. Rasmus Ristolainen. They don't have any goalies signed for next year. Uh, oh yeah, they don't have a coach at the moment. So yeah, there's there's a few things going on. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start with all that. Um, I would say this podcast is firmly in the Don Granado. Like we've just we've thrown all um, objectivity aside. We're I think t- team Don Granado at this point. He was we had him on. He was great. I've always like he he always seems like he's. Um, in terms of working with young players, and that's what Buffalo needs. Keeping keeping an upbeat attitude. Um, it seems like a nice fit. Where can you give any update on where things stand? I know these are tough right now. And then where where are you at on that? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think it's still 50-50 that it's his job. The only reason it's not higher is the Pagulas have shown a tendency to fall for things at times. So someone <laughs> might come in and just hey, they have a great Should interview. Go? They might have someone <laughs> might come in, have a great interview, and that's it. They're now the front runner. So I never, I'm not going higher than fifty fifty on Don at the moment. But he was fantastic both for us and for the team. Yeah. Um, for us, I just want to relate a story that the Sabres PR guy told me. It was after one of his news conferences that wrapped up and he's like, oh, should I call so-and-so? I don't really like the answer I gave him. I think I could do a little better. Oh so, God. you don't hear it often from a coach. That's uh, My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I hope um, the answer was yes. Call that person. <laughs> should, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> not. Do not, <laughs> yeah. do, do do not, not start that president. Do not open this door, my friend. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, but but the team was just completely different. I mean, 
a little bit hard to tell because I think anybody had stepped in for Ralph, they would have made it been an improvement. But Don was definitely uh, just a whole new team. And he got more out of Casey Middlestat and Tage mm-hmm. Thompson and the guys that you needed more out of. And I think that's his big thing going forward that he, that's why I think he's the front runner. But like I said, still just 50, 50 at the moment, because Kevin Adams is going to talk to everyone and wants to talk to everyone just as he's new at this. He wants to learn some other ideas and yeah, he's talked with college guys, uh, AHL guys, European guys, and NHL guys. So he's not done yet, I don't think. Do they do they end up where they are with Eichel no matter what? Like I, I know everyone the the surgery thing, that's a big deal. Certainly seems like the straw that broke the camel's back and whatever. But even if that doesn't happen, are we spending the offseason talking about a Jack Eichel trade being certain no matter what? Like was that just an, an inevitability based on the way the last year or two went? I think I actually think no in this case. Um, the injury really, uh, really topped. Now, obviously, la- after last season or the previous season, Jack was fed up. He had a MVP caliber season. The team wasn't getting any better. So yeah, he was he was sick and tired of losing. But this year, he came out and there were some injuries. But as he said, he scored two goals. Um, so he was more embarrassed than mad this year. Um, so I think if we if he had just been able to get the surgery, get healthy, he would have been willing to come in and prove himself and stick around. But uh, the surgery was a big thing. I mean, it's his body and he's just convinced. Uh, I've talked with a few people in his camp and every neurosurgeon that he's talked to, they are convinced he gets this. He's ready to go in two months. There's going to be he's ready um, just for the rest of his life. He wouldn't have to worry about it. And the fact that he can't get it done is just a, yeah, it's over, basically. Mm. That's unbelievable. Uh, um, so, John, you wrote a great piece uh, for The Athletic that really broke down the assets potential suitors have. Uh, I think this was last week to, in, a, in a potential Jack Eichel trade. When you went through that process, was there a team that you said – and I've kind of done this a bit too, um, and I've got my answer. But was there a team where you're like, this really makes sense, I, you know, in terms of what the Sabres need in, in lining things up and what they have. When you went through that process, did anything jump out? Yeah, there were six teams listed. We had L.A., Minnesota, Anaheim, Columbus, Philly, and the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And the three that I think are at the top would be L.A., Minnesota, and Anaheim. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things from all those, te- all those teams that can really fit what Buffalo has. Um, if you trade Jack Eichel, you're going to need a center. Um, obviously it doesn't have to be an elite center, but you need a center, um, step into the lineup. Um, you're going to need some prospects and you would like someone that the fans can embrace. Uh, that's going to be a big thing. There's once Jack's gone, he's the face of the franchise for the last few years. There's no one really to step in. Dylan cousins might be that guy in a little while, but you want someone that the fans can really grasp onto and say, Hey, this guy's going to be it. And there are some prospects in LA, Minnesota, Anaheim that might have those. And then you throw in the number eight pick from LA and the number three pick in Anaheim. And I think there's some deals there that could be made. Yeah. Like to me, it's the key. I feel like it just so the one thing you know people always want to do when they're you know especially the fans they put together these packages or whatever and they never include like five of the best prospects or, or whatever like there's like the, the you know the Sabres have to give up Jack Eichel but the Rangers don't have to give up anybody they've taken in the first three rounds um, but but to your point with the Kings when you look at the, what the Kings have um, you factor you know the, the, you know they have the high end prospects that they've been gathering, Quinton Byfields, Alex Turcotte, that would certainly qualify under player fan can rally around and play center. So that, you know, you have two players there where really like you could get excited about if you're a Sabres fan as a as a building block. You have the, the high pick. I think what, what jumps out the most is they have a need to get like they don't want to wait in LA. Like they have a need to get good pretty quickly here where you don't want to necessarily wait five years for Turcotte to be a number one center. Um, because you've got Drew Doughty and you've got um, Anze Kopitar sitting there getting older. Uh, and, and, they're and, also, so it, and they're also in a division, they're back to being in a, in a division next year that is not that good. It's going to be there for them to make some hay and potentially finish second or third. So they can, they can, yeah. they can, they can jump up. Like how, and you don't have to give up both of those guys. So you can, you can theoretically put together a really good deal for the Sabres uh, for Jack Eichel and still, you know, and you're coming out with Eichel, Kopitar, and maybe still Turcotte down the middle in, if you'd send Byfield the other way. 
Um, Dowdy on D, like you're you're all of a sudden you're loaded, and and it, it just makes so much sense where they can make a deal that works for everybody. Um, because I think you know everyone says when you're trading Jack Eichel, you can't win the deal. I think the Sabers can actually win a deal, and it works still works for the Kings. So that's my conclusion there. There's always a secondary thing with LA. They're in a market where stars matter. Um, yes. we've got, and the, we got the Olympics coming up. You can they can market Jack Eichel as Mr. USA hockey going to the Olympics. Yes. Um, I mean it's a city where star yeah, stars matter. You got LeBron, you got Mike Trout, you got yeah, teams need the big stars in that city, and that's Jack going there. Could they could market that very well? The other thing I look at is GMs that um maybe are under pressure or some heat. Like I think Rob Blake is, you know, he's been added a bit there in LA. Like it's time to turn the corner there. So there's some heat. Bob Murray is a good one. Like Bob Murray, uh, at least from the fan perspective, I think fans have just, you know, they've, they've reached a point where they have had it. Like you look, we do those fan surveys at the athletic and Eric Stevens has done a great job kind of getting the pulse of ducks fans. And there, I think there's a high level of frustration there. And Bob Murray has shown a tendency to make a big deal. Like he is a, he is a, you know, a guy that likes to, to, to make trades. The wild card to me is Yarmo Kekalainen. We've talked about a bit about him. He's always in the mix for something like, like he is, I just don't see a, like they need centers in. And so how does that work? Yeah. I don't know. The fit, yeah. the fit on a return doesn't make sense for the, doesn't, well, I shouldn't say that. It doesn't make as much sense for the, for the blue jackets as it does for like the Kings and the ducks where you have, a Byfield or a Turcotte or a Trevor Zegras or whatever, like those guys who you can send back as actual as actual center centerpieces. That guy doesn't exist in Columbus because if he did, then they wouldn't be in the discussion <laughs> at all. Yeah. So yeah, I man, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, I, I could I could sit here and think about it for you know a half hour every day, like like Jack I, Jack Eichel trade destinations. Yeah, the thing with the problem with Columbus when you look at it, they have the number five pick, which is nice. But the uh, but the problem is most of their assets that they would send here are guys who are NHL guys. You can maybe get line A, you can get one of the goalies, and the Sabers don't need that at the moment. They're right. not ready to win right. next year. There's no you. They would need to start building a little more, and those guys don't help that cost. It's interesting that many is is in the mix for you, is was in your top three, and because that's a team that is. A bit like Columbus, perennially in the search of a center, and but you 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 saw a fit there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I know there's a lot of people in town that really like Marco Rossi. Yeah, um, obviously yep. the health thing, so that's a little bit. Uh, Matthew Boldy just coming out of college is already excelling in the AHL. Um, that's a possibility. And Kevin Fiala is young; um, he's only 24. Uh, I know talking with Russo, he's, there's obviously going to be a lot of money crunch there. Um, so he'd be here for a few years, at least, uh, like he fits in that thing where he's an NHL guy and maybe they want a little younger, but yeah. he, like he's only 24, you're getting him for at least a few years and then you can move him if you need to. I wanted to touch on Sam Reinhardt because he's just as interesting a player, uh, in terms of potential return or a, a trade. And, and I, and I have noticed a bit of a shift amongst fans that are saying, uh, Jack Eichel's probably not realistic. Sam Reinhardt's the guy to target out of Buffalo. Uh, where do you see that? How do you see that playing out with Sam Reinhardt? Yeah, there's uh, he's one year away from UFA. Um, he's not going to sign a long-term deal. So yeah, now's the time to move him. I mean, you're, you're overhauling the franchise. You can't yeah. keep him around just on a one-year deal and then try and move him at the deadline or anything. So yeah, it's time to move him. Uh, he really, uh, he's always been a solid goal scorer. He's always proven himself to be a complimentary player. He was Jack's wingman. He was Ryan O'Reilly's wingman. But when Don Granato took over, he moved him to center basically because he had no choice mm -hmm. and he excelled. Uh, he had 10, go 10 goals down the stretch. He just was performing both ends. Uh, he was drafted as a center. So people are saying, well, I do wait six years to try this, but uh, <laughs> um, that's the Buffalo way apparently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's really proven he can be a two, he can play two positions. He's a solid two way guy. He's a, every year, 24 goals. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, just pencil it down. This year was a little more. So yeah, I mean, there should be interest in him. And if it weren't, if Jack weren't on the market, this, Sam would be one guy that hey everyone should be looking at. Yeah, there'd be a lot more juice around him. Like it, it, it like he's still young. It can play like you said multiple positions. That pedigree that that GMs love. Number two overall pick in 2014. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't believe we're talking about Sam Reinhart like potentially hitting UFA. Like he's been he's he's about to have been in the league for seven years. 
Like that's that's crazy to me. We were talking about stuff that stuff that makes you feel old. I, I think that's I think that's towards the top. Like my God. Uh, this this is the portion where Sean comes to grips with his age again. Yeah, we're back to I'm that. just gonna like I'm gonna like I'm just gonna stare out the window and 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 think for for the next thirty seconds about Sa- about Sam Reinhart being in year seven. Oh my goodness, that 2014 draft like that doesn't like you know for those of us who are old, it doesn't seem that long ago um, with all the Drysital and Ekblad and all those players. Oh man, so so John, do you, the people of course I feel the worst for the fans in Buffalo because. You're right. Like the best return here is the best smart thing to do here is to load up on young players to try to get that top of the draft pick. But now you're just sending it back a few years. Is there any case to be made of trying to go to maybe the Columbus route and getting players who are NHL ready so you can potentially not have the fans wait another five years for a playoff berth? I don't think, uh, no, I think fans are, it's, there's a little problem with the fact that prospects they've seen so many in the last decade. That's not right. Panic. How do you sell this? It's so people, everyone talked about, Oh, they got the number one pick. People should be excited. People aren't really all that excited at the mm-hmm. moment, just because they've seen a lot of prospects come and go. And the Sabres a few years back, they had a, it was called the blueprint. They printed out this fancy thing, sent it to season ticket holders. These guys are coming. This is so-and-so ranked them at number 15. They're going to be great. And, Two or three of them made it, maybe, and then yeah. So prospect, it's it's weird. They're in a tough spot where no one's excited about prospects. They're not excited excited about the guys who are on the team. Um, but I think I think the fans are smart enough to know that they can't just fix this overnight. Um, Darlene's twenty one. Cousins is twenty. Um, they know it's going to take a few years. They've mm-hmm. seen with Jack and Sam that it takes a few years to get a team around them. So. Unfortunately, fans, as beaten down as they are, they know it's still going to be a few more years and that shouldn't be rushed. Like, imagine if they come out of this with you, you make your deals and you come out of this and you have you have Owen Power and Darlene on the back end, you have cousins and Byfield and whoever you get at the top of the draft with another for like. They could be so loaded. And I know, and it's and fans don't want to hear that, but I do think like there's, and, and maybe all these guys don't pan out, and but you know, middle stack could still be really good. Like there's still that's not out of the equation here. I, I don't know. I, I think there's a, a scenario here where the Sabers end up in really good shape, and they're like the next Colorado Avalanche or something. Yeah, what they have to do is I like I was kind of alluding to. They want they got to yeah. get everybody in that twenty one to twenty four range right now, yeah. so yeah. that in three years they're they're ready to go. There's no. There's no reason to get a guy who's 27 now and then he's 30 when these guys are finally in their prime. They just, uh, yeah, they, but that LA, there's some LA deals that could really, uh, yeah, really tantalize. You people. keep looking at that list and you're like, that has to be that's, LA. that's the one that makes sense. Even if it's Turcotte, like I, I think, I think Byfield's, you know, I don't want to say the pipe dream because that makes it sound like it's impossible, but that's as, a, a Byfield package is, is, is as good as it gets. Like that's, you know that's that's the goal the the goal for for every fan I'm sure but I mean even even if you have Turcotte plus I don't know I that's 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 close it makes more sense than 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 anything else I'll say that yeah so John I we we touched on Owen Power just a bit in in I mean that seems to be the guy at the top of this draft have you been able to kind of familiarize yourself with his game or what do you how do you see that fit in in terms of what Buffalo needs. I saw a little bit of the world championships um, mm-hmm. when he was over there. Look, yeah. there was good moments for sure. Um, that's the other thing. The Sabres, there's, they've got a lot of defensive prospects. Um, so that's <laughs> kind of why, that's another reason why people aren't overly excited about the number one draft. Like yeah. he's the best guy. You got to take the best guy. It's the yeah. best asset out there. Um, but you've got Darlene. They drafted uh, Matthias Samuelson at the top of the second round in the Darlene draft. They drafted Ryan Johnson of Minnesota, University of Minnesota in the first round. Um, they've got uh, Jacob Bryson, who was a rookie this year and was one of their better players. So they've got young defensemen. So that's another reason why um but hey add this guy and you got you could have a really one of the best nhl's best defense scores in a few years okay hear me out on this last thought what why not listen on rasmus darlene for all the reasons you just said that might take me a second um <laughs> just, just say he's not I, available but you blow me away blow yeah. me away somebody 
there were flashes. I think I think you could get you could sell part of the fan base on that for sure um, because he was so hyped and yeah, he hasn't yeah. quite lived up to it yet. But yeah. he's playing in a position that most guys haven't even played before. I mean, or I mean at, at that age. Um, but other people see the flashes. There yeah. are things he does that people haven't seen in this town since Phil Housley. Um, mm-hmm. So you hope that and. He's only, you hope the next few years that just keeps growing and he really blossomed under Don Granado. So if you keep Don, you really want to keep Rasmus. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't quite listen, but uh, as you said, if you get blown away, what are you going to do? Well, John, I hope you're able to take a weekend or something at some point. Man, I like, I feel for what you're going through. I mean, it's, it's fun, but yeah, I was just the best man in a wedding Saturday, so I'm oh. a little. Uh, I had a good weekend, so we go. a little refreshed now. Yeah. Are you still wearing the tuxedo? You know, I see a collar. You- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't return it yet. It was a slow movement. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, thanks for doing this. Best of luck. I'm sure we'll I hopefully have you back to talk about what happened. But um, I'm sure there's a lot coming. Yes, yes. Keep up the great work. You've been killing it this year. Thanks for doing this. All right, my pleasure. Thanks, John. Not only has he been busy, like it's been fun to read him. Because he's he he has a bit of a sharp edge to his writing. Yeah. Like John is yeah. not even you could see like just slightly like hey the pagula sometimes gets tricked. Like he's not afraid to to carve, and I like that out of a uh, He 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 steers into turns. I mm-hmm. I respect it. It's awesome. What a year he's gonna have. Uh, off season he's gonna have. It's it's gonna be busy, and I'm glad we were able to solve some of it for Buffalo if they just would listen to our advice. Uh, it is fun. Deal. It's fun to imagine the pagula is getting tricked. <laughs> some guy comes in and shiny some coach. guy yeah c- comes in and is doing three card money on Terry's desk. He's like, ah, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> Make me the coach, oh please. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's throw it a break and uh, we'll come back. I, I think we've got, we've got a couple topics we haven't hit on that we I know we want to. So let's let's take a break and then we're gonna finish really strong here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, we've got hot Matthew Kachuk rumors, my friend. <laughs> yes, the best kind. So it was a it was a big night. Shane O'Brien said on on a Steve Kleas podcast that maybe, kind of, sort of, Matthew Kachuk might be sort of contemplating asking for his way out of Calgary, and that's and that's that sounds definitive. It's not a huge surprise because we know stuff there went sideways late, and we'd heard reports, whether it's from Elliot Friedman or from Haley Salvian, that stuff certainly could have been better in Calgary by the end there. So, we knew that there were some some rumblings. That's a core, you know, built around Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan, and they've just continually underachieved. We saw Sam Bennett moved at the deadline. I mean, there's, you know, there's some, there's some moving parts in Calgary right now. So, it's not a surprise to see Matthew Kachuk's name pop up uh, and stuff like that. It's not a surprise, mainly because everyone I think is anticipating him and Brady playing together eventually. Because they're 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 really tight. It just seems like an inevitability at some point down the road, you know, that they're going to end up together. Matt, in St. Louis. In well, you 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 swipe my genius idea out from under me. <laughs> oh, that's where you were headed. Sorry. Um, go ahead. Let's make it. Let's make it happen. Let's make it concrete. Matthew Kachuk's heading into the last year of his deal. He's got a seven million cap hit. He's got a, a huge base salary that the Flames paid him because they signed him to one of those funky bridge deals. Send him to St. Louis. Who cares what it costs? <laughs> he can keep the house warm for Brady in a couple years. Let's reunite the current first family of American hockey in the great American city of St. Louis. Uh, or just or just send Kachuk to the Rangers. Either or. Let's make Either it happen. one works for me. Doesn't I, doesn't I agree? I, I don't. I you know it's it, there are an, a too many Americans just toiling away in Canada right now. It's true. It is it's true. true. Austin Matthews, get him out of Toronto. Here's why. Here's why. When I saw someone float 
a ridiculous Matthew Kachuk for Jake Gensel trade mm. last night. Do it. No, we don't want that to happen because we don't want Jake Gensel to end up in Calgary. Mm, great point. It's we a got- it's a it's a zero sum American swap. Like we got we we got to keep Jake Gensel in the states. We got we got to bring both Kachuks ideally here in in one way or another. And I think that process starts today. Okay, great, great. I wanted to uh, weigh in. Yesterday, news uh, emerged that Tom Curvers had died from lung cancer. And Tom Curvers, like I hope people listening to this were able to see that there was a, a moment of silence during the lightning game. And, you know, they recognized him as somebody um, who was a big part of building that team. I and, mean, we, we, you know, he had a long stretch as a AGM in Tampa uh, and during the time when all of these players we talked about at the start of this podcast were acquired. And he's just one of those people that you never heard about, right? Like he just quietly behind the scenes worked really hard, uh, was influential in building a powerhouse in Tampa, uh, had an important voice in the Minnesota front office. But, you know, why that news hit me personally is because he, and I know we say this every time someone dies, I feel like, but Tom Curvers might have been the best guy to to run into to to cross paths with in in an arena or a hotel lobby, um, like just a warm, friendly conversation every single time. And like you know, he didn't uh, like who am I to know anybody in the game? And he just would stop and talk and remembered everybody and remembered what you were into. He knew I'm the complete dork who like has a book knows in his book at all times, and we would sit and he'd give me two or three book recommendations every time we talked. And it's just, you know, he was 58 years old, died from lung cancer. Um, and it's heartbreaking because I barely know him and I was sad to hear, like, it just, you know, you hear that news and it's crushing. I'm at like people that were in his life. I just was, was really thinking about them because um, just a quality guy that ever, like you just, the, the outpouring yesterday was nonstop. And seemed very sincere, sincere. And I can tell you from my point of view, it was very sincere. And so I just, I wanted to, to highlight, you know, here is a guy that, you know, in, in impact at the University of Minnesota Duluth, just wherever he went made an impact. And he wasn't a huge name. Like Tom Curvers isn't somebody that, you know, wasn't thrown around as the next great GM for whatever reason. He just quietly did his thing. And I, there's, there's those people in hockey. And I hate that it took him dying for us to have this conversation, but uh, I, I'm glad that he's getting his due. Yeah, I only know Tom Curvers from stuff you've told me about him o- over the years. Like I, I remember him popping up and reporting that you did ten years ago when we last worked mm. together. You know, just coming up in random stories. And yeah, I, 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 I knew of him through you, and I, I knew how knew how you know fond fond you were of him, and what a what a great guy he sounded like. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a shame. It's a loss. It it always it always it always is. Yeah, and so to make a super clunky transition, but Scott Burnside was one of the people that first introduced me to Tom, and and you know Scott is as you know Sean is like the cruise director of the hockey yes. space, oh, yes. not just media but with scouts, and he's organizing whatever's happening after the game, and so like Scott Scott is he's got that same heart, like he I think he introduced me to Tom, and it was like, hey, Craig likes to read, you guys both like to read, mm-hmm. and then you know walked away, and and that started, and Scott. That's what makes Scott such a. Uh, that's why we love him. Makes him such a great podcast host. This is my clunky transition, but it's true. Um, you know, it's why you know the two men advantage him and Pierre. It's it's just like sitting down at a bar and listening to them. And they've got Rod Brindamore on their pod, and I just wanted to highlight that people should listen to that. Also, and Scotty Scotty wrote one of my favorite things the last week or so. His his story about his fa- his Father's Day story that ran ran a couple days ago. I love I loved I love that. Just stories. You know, lessons lessons from everybody ac- across across hockey about stuff. There's stuff their dads taught them, whether it's Cami Granado or yeah. Sidney Crosby or whatever. I thought that was a great read from a few days ago, and I think that shows the kind of stuff that Scotty really does well because he's got this Rolodex that is just unbeatable, and he and he gets people to open up about you know all sorts of stuff. So yeah, those guys are the best. Um, also in the Athletic Hockey Show. Max Baltman and Corey Promen are on Friday. I think uh, not that I'm obsessed with our numbers, but they might have beat us last week in the in the ratings. And I would like yeah. to thank everyone listening to this because we have come out strong as the new kid in the week. But 
Max and Corey are, they may be, are, are tri- I, I, I keep looking at Haley and Ian, but <laughs> they may be the arch rivals. We've been way too nice to Max on this podcast. It's prod, like I said, it's prodman season, baby. This is, it's this Prodman's is what he season. does. It's, and it's, it's Max, it's Max coming in, uh, in coming in a close second. Yeah, man. Yeah. Prospect, so, can't spell prospects without prodman. Is that, is that good? A, is that good? I, <laughs> I think it's good. I think you can though. It was good. <laughs> you can't spell prospects without pra. You, without without pronman prospects or just specs. <laughs> wow! I think that I'm gonna, it's true. Well, I think it tracks. Go, I think it tracks. That's really good. That's really good, Sean. That's on Friday. Listen to those two. Um, I, I also wanted to – I'm going to use this time now to highlight comments. Not just say go to, into the, the Athletic app and comment on our podcast. We are going to talk about the comments because people are doing it and I love it. Um, and Joel B., la- last week people were putting lists of uh, words that we were banning mm-hmm. from this podcast. Galaxy Brain. I noticed almost, Sean made it almost, through. without Almost said it. Almost Did said you? it today. I caught myself. Oh, yes. Okay. Commenter from last week called us out on using Galaxy Brain. We we banned it. We banned it completely. Um, so Joel B. And I think we had another. And I, I forget what the other phrase. I should be writing these down. I have a big whiteboard next to me here in my my home. It might office. have been at I the end. At the end of the day, is that possible? Well, That's that was, was so. Joel B. submitted on the pod, the comment section of our last podcast, which you can get in the Athletic app. I would submit at the end of the day as another banned phrase. Not sure how much you guys use it. I don't think I do. Not much. But that makes it much easier for us to ban. His second part, though, is one of my, this is one of my crutches. He says, starting a sentence with, yeah, no. Like, you go, you agree, and then you go, no, yeah, no. Like, I do that. I can hear myself not, doing that. Not one of those. I have plenty of other horrible vocal tics and habits that I'm always trying to break. But, yeah, no is not one of them. I yep. think the one that I do still is say, like I said, mm. I preface. If you like I said as a media member, like, oh, I, we get enough from athletes. I think it's terrible. Like I said before, something that I didn't even say. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I, favorite, like, like I, I, like I didn't say. Like I didn't. Is, like I said, my favorite. Like I said, moment ever came, and I've, I, I think you and I have talked about this a long time ago during an Olympic orientation camp. Ryan Suter comes out as like the first player available at this camp we just showed up at. So we're all fresh. We're all hey, it's the middle of the summer. We're talking Olympics. We're excited. Hey Ryan, how you doing? First question. Hey, Ryan, what do you think of uh, the Americans this year? Whatever the dumb first question was. Like I said, uh, what you know, did I, you think even... I think we've got to. Uh, and so I said, Ryan, you can't, like I said, yeah. on the you, first question of Orient, you can't. You busted him. You busted him. That's yeah, good. I busted him. But he goes, well, I was talking to, I think, Peter McGuire for some broadcasting earlier. T- like, I didn't know he had some other session. You can't, like, I didn't, I didn't know that. You can't, like I said, the first question <laughs> of a media scrum. You can't. That's on my that's on my own personal list, but yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if we've gotten called off for commenters because of that one. All right, so Philip R, we are going to ban, we are going to ban at the end of the day, or not Philip R. This is Joel B. We're going to ban at the end of the day. We're going to ban, yeah, no, but I'm, that's going to take some Good work. Luck. We're going to ban, yeah. like I said, and we've got Galaxy Brain already on the banned list. If you want to add more to those, go in. The other commenter I wanted to highlight was Philip R. because he said it was a good episode because I didn't shit on the World Championships, like. Philip, I want to. I, I want to defend myself here. If you heard me dogging the World Championships at all, it was because Canada won gold, and so I didn't want to acknowledge that. I love the World Championships. The last thing that Craig would ever want would be to dis- besmirch the integrity of the World Champions. The World Championships. It's his favorite thing. It's my favorite thing in the world, Philip. I and that's counting. Well, it's his. It's his third favorite thing in the world. But that also counts as kids, so it's behind mm-hmm. two kids and ahead of and ahead of one. He yes. loves he loves the World Championships. I won't I won't I won't name names, but yes. but yeah, no. He, I mean, clearly there's a pecking order with my children. <laughs> the World Championship slots right in there. So I just want to defend myself, uh, Philip. I love the worlds. If I was at all giving them a hard time, it was because uh, Canada won, and I didn't want to acknowledge that. But Philip's second suggestion, he wants an international segment as part of our hockey show. Now, this is the American segment. Uh, it, it would be um, – I don't know how we could cram that in. But we'll fig- as We'll figure out a way. I actually – I as, like it. Yeah. I saw that one. 
I like that. So maybe we find a way to plug in an international, like, you know, highlighting some sweet game in Sweden where a prospect goes off. It might be a better fit for Max and Friday. Corey, Philip. But it could be. Sean and I like international hockey. I love the world championships. Basically, I just wanted to defend myself there by highlighting that. That's what that's what this part of the show is for is defending yourself against <laughs> against internet commenters much like Robin Leonard. Oh my gosh. Robin Leonard, if you want to leave a comment in the app, you just download the <laughs> Athletic app, go to the podcast. We make it really hard to find, by the way. I forget ev- I forget every couple weeks. Yeah. But it's so worth it. F- it. Search for the uh, podcast, go to details, go to the comments, and we will we will uh, we'd like to interact with, with listeners because again, that's how this whole podcast was started. Mm-hmm. People wanted a more American podcast. Here we are. Last thing. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, then you can't do any of this because the app is part of the subscription and you want to get a deal, go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and you get in for $3.99 a month. Can't beat that, Sean. Nope. All right. That's it. Thanks to John Vogel again for joining the podcast. Sean, thank you for all of your great work today. I did it. Thank you. I, I thank myself for all of my great work. See you next week, buddy.